right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And man, you know, it's funny because looking back, we covered a lot of things. It shows like SEMA, you know, God, you got to love SEMA. Got another one just around the corner. One day I'm going to have a car there. It's another lesson, another podcast. Um, but we still have a couple more, man. And this time, you know, we're talking, we're talking wheels, which tend to be the most crucial thing about a car. Like there is no doubt nothing changes the look of a car like a straight banging set of, of wheels. Like it changes the whole personality, the whole, I don't care if you're into the patina thing, you got a little rust on it, you know, if it looks beat and worn up, but it's got a nasty boosted up LS with a matte suspension underneath it and huge disc brakes. The thing that sets it off are the wheels, the wheels. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I don't think there's anything you can really do to a car more dramatic than changing the wheels. And I don't know why that is, but it is. Just just take it as a fact, right? Yeah, man. You put on, and, and maybe it's some proportion, right? Because a lot of the older wheels, you know, are like on 14-inch rims. And, you know, not that you got to throw some 22s under there, but, I mean, you fit the wheel well with a set of wheels. You get the stance down. And, of course, the look that you go with really sets the style and the tone. Uh, but it's a game changer as far as, you know, you can turn a plain Jane car into something like, whoa, a little bit of a head turner just with wheels, right? Yeah, man, it's amazing. It's, dude, my mom used to tell me all the time I was so ugly as a kid, she'd put a pork chop around my neck so the dog would play with me, you know? And a, a set of wheels is like that pork chop, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, a set of wheels just makes it, I mean, we, it's, it's just, it's so much better. You're going to make me salivate when I think of wheels now, right? Like, there's Pavlov's dog going on right now, just thinking about some shiny whims. <laughs> but, but it is true, man. Uh, absolutely. True. But, you know, there's a whole other factor with wheels. Like, depending on what you pick, right, you can get some steelies, right, and you can get a look and you can get a stance. Uh, but if you're into performance, right, the wheels you pick not only look bitchin', but they turn your ride into a handling machine, right? They, ter- they gear you up for taking turns and taking corners and hammer on them hard, right? And, you know, we got lucky to run into David Shart from Forge Line Wheels while we were at SEMA. And this guy, you know, he's the president and can tell us all kinds of amazing things about how you make a wheel, right? 
Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. But, dude, get all nerdy with them. Tell them why that unsprung weight, the inertia, what that does. Tell them what it does to performance, man. Get nerdy. Put on the coat, man. Grab the glasses. Go for it. Well, all right. So you got the mass of your vehicle, right? And it, it's hard to move that around. So it's as it's going down the road, you want it to be kind of stable. And you want the wheels to be fast acting, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down, hitting bumps and curbs and things right? Well, the heavier you make that wheel, that tire, that hub, that suspension, it's slowing down and it can't react. And so it's, it's skipping over jumps and launching instead of going up and back down and following the contours of the road and keeping that tire gripped. So when you're cornering, you are cornering at max G's, man. And if you think about not just the cornering, right? And the suspension and the ride quality, Man, you you add you know you add weight onto a, a wheel and tire combination. You're feeling it in your seat because you're all banging into rocks and you know yes. and cracks coping. and things like that, man. And yeah. stupid autocross cones. Yeah, yeah. and well, you know, don't you hate when you're on Facebook and somebody interrupts it by smashing on your windshield? God, you need a good performing wheel to get you over things like that. <laughs> um, but well, seriously, it, it does make a huge difference. And, you know, in a world where 10 thousandths of a second is, you know, is crucial. And the more of those dimes you stack, you know, the more you got a bumper, a fender, you know, a car link. And the more that times in the small increments is chipped away. And that's what everybody is looking for. Well, I remember changing, you know, I'm big into mountain biking. And I remember in college changing out the little nipple on the spoke, right? The part that connects to the outer rim, this little tiny metal thing, and you can, you know, replace them with little aluminum ones. And when you replace all like 32 or however many there are, and you hold them in your hand and you hold the the steel and the aluminum one, you're like, I don't know, man, I can hardly feel it all stacked together. But it's because it's at an outer diameter. It's the moment of inertia. So you take an aluminum wheel, right? A lightweight aluminum wheel, and you can remove mass from it your wheel will now spin up faster and it'll spin down faster when you brake. So you accelerate faster, you brake faster, and it's huge. You don't realize how much inertia is there. Like take a wheel and tire jacked up and just try to get it to move. Yeah, you can get it to spin, but just try to get it to spin up fast. That sucker has mass and inertia to it. So that's another aspect to it, you know? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about, my man. So look, let's take a break right now. When we come back, David Sharp, president of Forgeline. And then a little bit later on the podcast, Alan Kohler from Odyssey Batteries talking performance wheels, performance batteries. It's all things performance. Hell, when it comes to performance, we're like Oprah in here. You get some performance. You get some performance. Kevin, you get some performance. I want it. I want it. Give me some. Exactly. We're back in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage podcast. You get some performance. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the Two Guys Rides Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, man. And, dude, I got to tell you, 
When you're thinking wheels and the difference it makes on a car, the impact, oh man, I mean, it's more significant than makeup. <laughs> yeah, you know, and not just styling, street performance and racing. And have you ever asked yourself, or ever thought about, what's the difference between a race wheel and a performance street wheel, right? That's a good question. Exactly. Right? What's a monoblock wheel? What's a three-piece wheel? Well, we got the exactly. guy. We got the guys yeah. going to answer all these kind of questions. And it was funny too, man, because I popped the question right out of the gate. Because here we are, you know, everybody's getting ready for this big street car challenge event, right? And you look around on all these badass race cars, and every single car is running Forge Line sauce. So I'm like, David, you know, because, you know, he's president of Forge Line. I come out right here on the interview and ask him, you know, he's answering the question why is every single car running Forge Line wheels, man? Well, this is what we've always done. We invented the company 25 years ago, started the company 25 years ago to make racing wheels. And in the beginning, that's all we made. And we did a lot of World Challenge, SCCA Pro Racing Wheels, that type of stuff. Eventually moved into some street cars because people that bought the race wheels wanted those, wanted forge lines for their street cars. Yeah. Today's tires, they call them 200, 200 treadwear tires. They, they can, you know, uh, 1.5 Gs, you know? Yes. Yeah, right. So you have to have a wheel that's going to be able to hold up to those kind of loads and weights and that kind of stuff. So is it alloys that's unique? What, what about Ford Zine that makes it so critical for these guys and a must-have component? And it is, it's, it, it's a fully forged 6061 T6, and then our 6061 T6 is a proprietary blend, which is 25% stronger and stiffer than just a normal alloy so 6061. Well, yep. and you can make a wheel you know, incredibly beefy. You just make it heavier. Right. But these are, you know, performance cars, race cars. So it's about right getting the right material in there with the highest properties, putting that material in the right places so that you're utilizing and you're stressing the thing, you know, uniformly and perfectly so you don't carry around a bunch of extra weight because that's unsprung mass for your suspension, right? It's rotational inertia, so that's your speed and accelerating and braking. Right, so if you get sloppy and just make a big old heavy wheel that looks yeah. nice, right, that's not going to win on the track. It's not going to get you that performance. It's not going to get you off the line. Right, and the opposite side of that, anybody, any, anybody can make a lightweight wheel. Designing a, a race car rim versus a street car rim, because on a street car, you got potholes. Right. Right, and curb strikes and things like that. So, you know, are there some nuances that you'll do uh, between I, I would say not on the rim shell part of it because on the racetrack, on a road racetrack, you have a lot of berms. The berms are much higher than they used to be. Yeah. And you're hitting those berms with quite a bit of force. So, you know, they, they can't bend on those either. So our race wheels would survive on the street just fine. Um, you just have to, the, the load that the wheels carry, the lateral load that the wheels carry is significantly higher than a street wheel. Yeah, that's what's key because you think about what these cars, I mean, these cars, are, they're still cars. They're big, they're heavy, but what they're doing through a turn has got to put an unreal amount of stress on that rim. Yeah, when you're like that Ford GT Mark II that we're on down there, that, that's a purpose-built Ford track car. And the loads on that, the loads that that car can take about 10 times what a normal street would, street car uh, would. Yeah, because that has how much downforce? I don't know if they've published yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, but the, the, the combination of the downforce and the slick, sticky tire, and, and, and then how far, how hard you're driving that car, how, how you're pushing it to the limit all the time. We're on a street car, you're not doing that. So stack it up. Yeah, okay, you got a lightweight race car. Well, you put arrow on it, underbody yeah. on top, splitters, everything else, diffusers. You are smashing that car down on the ground. Now you got slicks that have incredible grip. So when you take a corner on that thing and you're pulling multiple G's, 
right? Yeah. You're really taking the side load, the bending on that thing, stressing it out. And I assume there's a certain factor in there just on stiffness where, right, you don't want your wheel, because you got deflections and everything, and you know you don't want it all built up in your wheel too, so the wheel's all hanging sideways. 100%, and stiffness is becoming more and more important as these cars handle better, the suspensions get better, the tires and all the aero. So stiffness, we've been making the wheels heavier in some cases for Porsche Motorsport. We made the wheels considerably heavier because they wanted the wheels to be stiffer. The car actually went faster with a wheel that was two pounds heavier because it was so it was so oh, stiff. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's interesting. That's a formula you wouldn't you no, wouldn't even wouldn't. think about, right? right? Yeah. So take a cheap knockoff wheel that looks good. They're not thinking about it. They don't have all this experience, right? right? They haven't done it a thousand times. They're not on the Ford GT Mark II race. What are they selling like? 50 of those? 10 of those? Uh, 45 cars, yeah. 45. Wow. 40, I mean, what, that is an exclusive yeah. little market there. One, These guys one, have one wheels on. 1.6 million dollars or something. <laughs> what, what, what does a rim for that, for that tire cost? I don't know a what Ford's charging it for. I have no idea, but I can't imagine. <laughs> and most of the people that are buying the cars are buying four or five sets of wheels, which is, which is good, right. for, good for us, obviously. Yeah, 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 because it's not like one, you know, you get a lot of different compounds. You know, here it's 200 tread wear, but you may go to another track that's something different, right? And you won't scuff up the rim. Yeah, and then they're, they're, just, they're just doing so many track days, and the tires only last a certain amount of time, yeah. so they just slap another set of wheels on it. Yeah, man. So tell us about, uh, you guys have multiple layers of product line. What kind of... You know, you talked about the forging on the T6 uh, 6061. Do you have other variants? Yeah, we have the, we have a monoblock wheel, which is like on this BMW here or the Dassault car over there. Um, it's 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 a fully forged 6061, you know, monoblock wheel. It's the stiffest and lightest wheel we make. And then we also make a three-piece wheel, which is center is the 6061 forged part of it. We machine all that out, and then we have uh, rolled rim shells that they're 6061, but they're not forged. Um, and we bolt those together, and you can make those in any width and configuration you could possibly want, which is which is, comes into play in the pro touring market. Yeah, this is obviously why you know that three-piece combination. You see that on you know a lot of cars that do this challenge. You know a lot of cars that you know drag race and the fourth day you know have to take. You know when you're thinking of performance rim and everything it goes through, just the beating of launches, turns the track coping all that yep. stuff man you have to have something you can rely on the last thing you want to do is get out there and come back and see cracks in the spokes or you know spider webs where the stress was too much and uh, yeah 15 years ago or so the pro touring community came to us because they were breaking wheels on the racetrack at their muscle car events uh, so that's how we got so involved in that that whole market so forging a, an entire rim dude i can't even imagine the size of the it's a, it's about depending on, depending on the size 100 to 120 pounds we start with we, and we machine off what 85 90 pounds sometimes <laughs> off all those so you smash it into some rough shape right? yeah it's kind of like a steam roller wheel kind of solid looking very prehistoric almost looking like a flintstone right right yeah right, yeah, yeah right, exactly. but when you get that forging so when you cast something i mean think about an ice cube right you put the water in you freeze it got all these little bubbles in it and stuff right porosity. porosity yeah yeah Yeah. so when you cast anything you know there's always some kind of porosity in there uh right dislocations of the metal etc yep so when you forge it you're smashing all those defects out right and you're making the most sort of pure structure your line grains right you're getting the strongest material and then you're hacking off like how much 85% of it, throwing it in chips after you've made this awesome material. But in the end, you got this jewel that you're gonna yeah. bolt on a piece of machinery that you just spent thousands of hours and tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars on and you want that sucker 
to make it go fast. You imagine and watch, watching that process and seeing just like a cinder block of billet material come out, and you guys start cutting away on it, and then afterwards you come back, you know, 40 minutes later, and pew, there it is. That's one. Yeah, <laughs> you know? 40, well, we, we have we have wheels that take four hours to machine. Wow, that's a lot of chips, man. Yeah, depending yeah. on the complexity. That's of a them. lot of high quality chips. Yeah, and what do you do with the chips? Uh, we recycle them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our local recycler is a, is a good friend of ours. Yeah. Well, I bet he's a good friend. Gotta be, man. He's getting him Christmas cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah plus, it's, plus it's good aluminum, too. Right. Yeah. So product lines, how you know how far wide do you guys go? Like It's all pretty high end. It's just the monoblock and the three-piece. We, we have, obviously, a competition series. And then we have, we have street wheels. And we have a lot of retro style three-piece and one-piece wheels. But do you cover all kinds of different brand sizes, et cetera? Like, how big can... Uh, 17 inch is our is our, is our uh, smallest diameter, and we go all the way up to 22. So we can do wow. you know 17 and 18 inch for pro touring type stuff, 22 inch for trucks and some of the uh, SUVs, Porsches, and BMW. The SUVs. Trucks have blowing up. I'm sure that oh market gosh, for yeah. you guys yeah. has got to be huge. Yeah. Well, our wheel's a little bit different. We don't make the big barrel wheel that sticks out of the fender sure, four sure. inches. We're making more of a lightweight performance. Yeah, it's, but you see all these trucks out here now. Trucks isn't. And they're, they're, they're not for hauling dirt bikes. They're starting to gravel. lower trucks again, too. Yeah, they're so, actually yeah. making them performance-based, racetrack-based. Right. You know? And that's our customer. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. you got to see a big jump in those. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a, a good market as it progresses. Yeah, where man. do people find out more about Forgeline? All your different wheels that want to go shopping, check out all the different colors and styles. We have a very a very extensive website. It has all, all the styles, all the colors. I think it's 128 styles of wheels at this point. Wow. All of our colors, a huge gallery of cars and wheels on the cars, that type of stuff. It's at forgeline.com. There you go, man. All right, two guys ride the podcast, Kevin Bird, Willie B. David, thank you for your time, man. Go check him out, forgeline.com, man. We appreciate you. All right, thank you. Man, I love shopping online, but, you know, sometimes it just gets expensive. It's just too easy. You're sitting there flipping through the galleries. Ooh, I like that set. I like that set. Ooh, buy it now. Cha-ching. On its way, baby. Or you just wake up the next day looking at your checkout cart like, oh, no, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Buyer's remorse. Alcohol increases the size of the sin button by like 80%, you know. Check it. <laughs> yeah, send it. I'm getting it. <laughs> oh, man. But in case like this, it would be worth it. You yeah, know? right? Uh, yeah. I got man. a couple rides where I could use a couple sets of forge lines. How about you? Man. Plenty. Dude, I could use this set just to have on me, uh, personally. You know? <laughs> I'd throw around my sword. Look, look what I got, everybody. My car is too. I'll take it. That's your pork chop. You just have a <laughs> right. big necklace. You know? Look at my wheel. <laughs> like me. Follow me. Sniff me. Two rams and some chain link. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look, man. Yes, that's not the only guy we caught up with at SEMA, which was great, man. So when we come back, Alan Kohler from Odyssey Batteries. A lot of people, I believe don't get the difference in batteries and of course with technology shaping and changing the way cars are built now and what is you know just what's available in the car platforms man the batteries become key to making sure the car is gonna well just last start you know get out there and run when it's supposed to well and it's a little bit confusing right because when we put batteries in you know our, our walkman or radio or whatever like you just chuck the old ones out and you put some new ones in and eventually they just kind of right. poop out but how many of us, I mean, batteries aren't cheap for cars, right? How many of us have had a battery die prematurely, right? Raise, I'm raising both hands. You can't see it. I'm raising yeah. both hands. I mean, last winter, maybe it was winter before, in Detroit, we had a cold front come in, and it was like negative 23 degrees. And, of course, my wife's battery poops out in the driveway. My garage is packed. I can't get it in. 
and so it's negative twenty three, dude. And it's not one of those where you can pull the battery out. You got to pull the wipers. You got to pull the the drip tray out. Oh, yeah. right? <laughs> All this finagling, and you know, I'm trying to get tiny gloves so I can get the little fasteners and clips. Dude, I almost died. You know, I almost died changing the battery. <laughs> and it's like, man, how do you avoid things like that? And what what are things like? dual purpose batteries and deep cycle batteries. How do you even know what to get? And how do you know how to get the best performance? You know? Yeah, man, no doubt. So when we come back, Alan Kohler, Odyssey Batteries, get you caught up on the charging game, all right? It's the Two Guys Rides Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Willie B. Appreciate you guys being here. And man, gotta ask you, bro. Batteries ever burn your butt? Has a battery ever left you stranded? Oh, man. I've got so many bad batteries. And it, it, it's my fault, you know? Because I'm, I haven't always paid attention in the past on what I'm putting in my different vehicles, right? My off-road stuff, my boat stuff, my car stuff. And, right. you know, sometimes I neglect it, right? I uh, I think I'm going to be using my car or truck or, or a, a toy, and, and then I get busy and I don't. And all of a sudden I come back, not only is the battery dead, it's killed, right? Yeah. You suck the life out of it. And it's like, man, all right, how do I avoid that? Now, how about you? <laughs> what, where have you been bitten by the battery bug? Oh, dude, racing. You got to have, you know, 12 volts to run a lot of things. Nitrous solenoids, goofy things when you're, when you're racing. And if you don't, the performance factors, you know, go way off the chart. So, yeah, several times uh, with nitro systems and street racing and, you know, just race cars in general. If you don't have a great battery holding a great charge uh, and keeping, you know, your Hampton volts where they need to be, man, you are, you are in for a rough, rough night. And, you know, it's funny because... I bet a lot of people just tend to buy batteries as eh, this will work type scenario. The battery goes out, their buddy's got one. They don't know exactly what code cranking amps really means. You know, that it's a certain temperature for a certain amount of time and it's got to, you know, hold a certain voltage over a, a period of, t you know, link a length of time. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just, hey, it's a square thing with a couple posts on it. That'll work. You know, if you want basics, and if you want to, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work, right? But you got your daily driver, which, yeah. you know, again, when it's minus 23 degrees out, we talked about before the break, you want that sucker to work. You don't want to be stranded somewhere. And then when you're performance driving, when you're out, when you're out on a boat, man, you don't want that thing to, to die on you. And, you know, I've lost so many yeah. good batteries, again, just because I, I bought a regular battery and, you know, I kind of abused it and it, and it, Paid me back for it, you know? Well, when we were at SEMA this past year, we found ourselves in the Odyssey battery booth. And, you know, I asked their main marketing manager right there, Alan Culler. I was like, dude, these don't look like traditional type batteries. Explain that. And so here he is with the answer to that question. Basically, batteries aren't all created equal. And that's a tr the truth. And not a lot of people know that. And you know what we're here to show people today is you know you can go to an auto parts store like say you buy a cheap battery you can pull one off the shelf like you said but you really want a battery that works best for your application it's got the most power the most starting cranking yeah. amps for your application look to Odyssey we we typically the design is highest cranking longest lasting so and so people may have heard of 
crank co-cranking amps, right? Explain a little bit about the architect of an Odyssey battery or other batteries so that people out there can distinguish the difference between what you're doing and what, say, uh, the type of quality they're going to get with an EverStar battery. Okay. So, cold cranking amps basically comes from the amount of surface area you have on the plates. So the more plates you have in the battery, the more surface area you have, the more cranking amps you have. So that's what we try to do is we try to maximize the amount of plates that are in that battery. Okay. I mean, these batteries are heavy. So if you compare ours to like a cheap battery that you'd find anywhere, yeah. they're going to be heavier. And, and they're heavier for a reason because lead is cranking power. So uh, You said lead is cranking yeah. power. Yeah. <laughs> that's an easy equation right there. You know? yeah. Now yeah. these are AGM, right? Correct. So absorb glass mat. Absorb glass mat. Yeah. So, your traditional, what you think of with a uh, lead-acid battery, you got some plates hanging down and you know some, some chemicals or whatever, and it's creating the, the juice that you need. Well, those plates right, can corrode over time. They can get weak over time. They're not really well supported. And so what an AGM can do by kind of packing everything together super tight is it gives you that vibration resistance, right? That's where some of that extra performance comes in is when you've got you know, some off-road vehicles, you know, whether it's your marine, you're hitting some waves, right? It gives you that long durability along with things like cranking amps, et cetera. Absolutely. Vibration resistance is a big thing. Uh, the other thing that, that we offer that a lot of people don't offer is this battery is a dual purpose battery. So not only is it a starting battery, it's a deep cycle battery. You can cycle this down to nothing, charge it back, and it doesn't care. It's like, you know, it's fine. So how is that different than what you would normally find? So a normal battery, you know, if, you, if you're discharging all the time and um, say you leave your lights on or, or, you know, you haven't started it for months. Right. It's discharging on its own and it's destroying itself basically. And you got to charge it back, it's never going to be 100%. Now, these, these guys, like I said, don't care. They, is that they're back due to dissimilar metals in the battery? Correct, Explain correct. a little bit of why it does that because you guys are unique because your batteries don't discharge right. and a lot of people may not understand that. Yeah, that's the unique thing about us is that we use pure lead. Um, so pure lead in itself, uh, different than a conventional style battery where you have like calcium and other stiffeners. They're, they're alloys, it's dissimilar metals, like you said, and it causes corrosion and it can discharge on its own just sitting there. The fact that we have pure lead, you don't have any of that. So it sits there, we actually have a two year shelf life. It can sit there, you don't even have to charge it and it'll be fine. I mean, and that works for, you know, retailers and, and consumers alike. So what's really different between you know, uh, an automotive type or a marine grade, and then, uh, you know, we've got some technologies coming out like start-stop. So how does a battery design or architecture change to kind of suit those needs? I think for the most part, you know, other battery manufacturers might make different levels of, of uh, performance for different types of applications. We kind of do it all in one. So where they might say, okay, you know, you only need to start this, you just need a cheap battery. Um, but then now you have a marine battery, you need to ha have deep cycle capabilities. Start-stop is an excellent example that you gave because that's something that's come around fairly recently. And every time you, your car shuts off and you're running your HVAC off of your battery, that's deep cycle on that thing. So conventional, conventional batteries can't handle that. So they're gonna die in a matter of you know, a year or two, whereas something like this, it's very well suited for this. And that's really where we're seeing the most growth. And you see that with a lot of cars nowadays when people replace it with the normal, you know, not to punk them, but Walmart battery, for sure. example. <laughs> You'll see those batteries not have near the life 
nowadays because of all the things. You know, you turn your car off nowadays, but your car is sitting there, you know, and it's going over its systems, it's doing analyst checks, it's doing, it's talking to all the, you know, all the systems inside the car, you know, and a lot of times people don't even realize there's, you know, seven, eight, nine batteries in the car nowadays, you know, and it's running different systems. So here's a way that they can maintain not just the charge, but also help prevent from, you know, just ruining what is the basic battery you'll find in a lot of stores. Okay. And the other thing that, that comes into play here uh, is, is heat. So when you're in Las Vegas, like we are, or Phoenix, Arizona, that kills batteries. So you, those guys, we go to shows like this, and people say, oh, I only get a year or two of my battery. What can you do for me? And I'll say, we can give you a two to three times the life on that, and guaranteed. You know, it's just like, you have people try it, and they're like, it's amazing. You know, you can't believe yeah. that I'm not charging, I'm not changing my battery every year anymore. So what is it about the heat that actually kind of kills a battery? Because a lot of us are used to, you know, the winter time, like, man, it got cold, it snap freeze, and boom, my car won't start. So on either end, there's something going on in there that's uh, killing our batteries. So, Well, the heat's more so the discharge aspect of it that we already talked about. Um, it, just, it just complicates the whole thing, it makes it worse. Um, but again, the Odyssey uh, is very temperature tolerant from both cold and hot, um, so we kind of, you know, go that whole range of, of ability. What's the biggest mistake that you see in your field that people make with batteries? So if they're listening, like, oh, I'm guilty of that. What are hmm. some of the top mistakes that people make when you're thinking batteries for their applications? Um, I mean, applications aren't too bad because it's pretty much, you know, you have, have the ability to choose what you need to, to fit your application, you know, whether it be the power consumption or the cold cranking amps. But, uh, what they don't sometimes realize is, especially you know, if it's not an Odyssey, you know, if you if you haven't been maintaining it, you know, you haven't put in a charger and it just sits and sits and sits, and they expect it to start, you know, next time they're going to use it a month from now. Guilty as charged. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> man. Probably, so that's probably the biggest one I'd say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one thing when you got your one commuter car, you're driving all the time. Right. When you got toys. Yeah, you man. know, like, and you got seasons, and some sit, and oh man, yeah, yeah, lots of toys. Yeah, maintaining every one of those. Well, oh, I'm gonna put the charger on that. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, put a tender on it and leave it on there for months on end and months on end, and you go to start it, and you, you know, you get it. But if you don't, it's dead. So it's like, oh man, yeah, yep. pretty interesting to see these won't bleed off like traditional batteries will. Yeah, one of one of the suggestions I'll say we we tell people, and we talked about maintainers too which is good, but the other thing you can do with these, like I said, it has a two-year shelf life, so if you charge this up before you know you're putting it away for the season or whatever, unhook the battery cable, and that thing will be fine until you go to use it again, no charging needed. That's impressive, wow. man. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. All right, where do people find out more about you on the social side, what's your website? Where do people go research the Odyssey application that fits what they're building? Okay, I mean, basically right through our own website, odysseybattery.com. Uh, we have a, a dealer locator, we have uh, an application lookup on our website. Um, we are in all the social media platforms. We're always throwing tips out there and good information, so follow us and uh, see what Odyssey has to offer. There you go, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y, Odyssey Battery. Uh, and again, like he said, odysseybattery.com, all the social side. Hey man, we appreciate your time, Alan. Thanks for catching us up and teaching us a little bit about batteries, man. No problem. It's been a pleasure. There you go. You. Man, let's let's just see a show of hands. Everybody out there who actually learned something about batteries, felt a little bit smarter about batteries. Let's see them. Hey, man, I'm holding up both hands and an elbow. 
<laughs> I got my toes up there too, buddy. You know, it, it is true. There's so many different styles, types, so many different, you know, applications nowadays. And with everything the batteries are responsible for, it's crazy to think how many batteries are in your car and every single component of your car, whether it's race cars, you know, because race cars are all into that. Now it's all plugged in. It's all part of the game, you know, or just, you know, old school cars. The battery is crucial. Yeah, and what what battery do I get? What battery do I want? And then how do I you know step that up in certain applications, right? So it's real nice that you can get on their website, right? And check out you know what it is that you want. You can kind of get some more information, right? I'm sure everything we talked about today is going to go in one ear, out the other ear. By the time you need to get your next battery, you can look it up and go, man, do I need a deep cycle, right? Do I need this type <laughs> of battery? Should I get an AGM? Uh, and so you can make sure you get the right goods. There you go, man. So, again, thanks to our guest, Alan Kohler, marketing manager of Odyssey Battery. He's my man, Kevin Bird. I will be in. Don't forget about our TV show, Aaron Weekends, on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is always cool. Our producer, Scoop, and our executive producer is Bob Ecker. Yeah, check out our website. We have our very own with lots of great content on it, twoguysgarage.com. And share your thoughts with us on social we're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Yeah, get a charge out of us. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Hope you guys had some fun, man. Thinking about what you're shopping for. Wheels, batteries, other things that make you go fast. Yeah. Go hit the click button. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.